0: The First Butterfly, Episode 10 A novel written by Jason Calibre, narrated by Chris Bander. Chapter 9 Once Keith returned to his apartment, he made a cup of instant coffee, which he promptly ignored before attempting to take his mind off work by flipping through channels on the TV. He followed this with checking his cell phone for texts and the computer for emails. Nothing stopped him from obsessing over the enigma of God's Girl. Finally, he gave up, grabbed his keys, headed to his car, and drove away from the duplex. He sped along several freeways, each blending into each other through a series of junctions as the haze turned into storm clouds and bathed his car in a light drizzle. He slowed and maneuvered when flashing lights and dense traffic indicated a collision ahead. Other drivers craned their necks as they searched for a route around the tangled cars. Unlike them, he was familiar with the side streets. With a turn of the wheel, he skillfully finessed the car into gaps in the traffic pattern and headed towards the closest off-ramp. The Hollywood Hills loomed over the freeway a short distance away. The wet weather having recently turned the landscape from dry brown to vibrant green. Heading in their direction, he arrived at Griffith Park, where the road turned into a lot next to a picnic area. Because of the dreary weather, there were plenty of spaces from which to choose. He parked his old Ford Escort at the front of the lot, thinking it was out of place compared to the handful of newer foreign automobiles scattered around it. A freshly mowed lawn spread out next to the parking area filled the air with the scent of cut grass. Tables and benches molded from cement lay scattered about the park, among sycamore, oak, and eucalyptus dotting the landscape. Groups of people clustered around the tables placed under trees. Beneath a large sycamore, a family ignored the damp weather, sitting at a table loaded with presents, while nearby kids swung at a piñata hanging from a branch. Two others held young couples, chatting and holding hands. Keith wondered if any of the people here played Glimm three in their spare time. This turned his thoughts towards God's Girl he reached inside his suit jacket to pull out his cell phone and contact Transworld's networking for an update. Then, remembering the office was closed, he threw the phone into the glove compartment and noticed a trailhead at the opposite end of the parking lot. The prospect of taking a long walk was appealing, even in this weather. It offered the opportunity to focus on the surroundings instead of work. He exited the car, ignoring the damp that was making his clothes feel heavy, opened the trunk, Pulled out and put on a pair of tennis shoes. Then he traded his suit jacket for a beige windbreaker as a homeless man shuffled past. The transient walked towards a faded green oil drum, which served as a trash can, and rifled through its contents with a detached attitude. Keith looked away and headed towards the trail. The footpath turned into an unpaved fire road, which meandered under sycamore and oak trees and then through California scrub, while continuing upward. He hiked through muddy switchbacks until he stood on top of a cliff with a chain-link fence running along its crest. Keith turned his eyes towards the city, peered through the metal links, and saw the Transworlds networking building among the distant skyscrapers at the city center. Abruptly he stepped away from the fence and set aside any thoughts about the office, choosing instead to head towards a ravine carpeted with an expanse of green. A steep trail dropped below him and after following it a short distance, he emerged on a paved road that circled a grass lawn strewn with papers and containers. Cages and cement structures with graffiti ringed the lawn, with trash cans occupying strategic points where visitors ignored them. A placard on a tilted post explained this was the site of the first Los Angeles Zoo, abandoned in the 1960s. The most interesting structure sat across the grass and resembled a series of animal dens, disguised as caves surrounded by tumbled rocks. It was large, several stories tall, and faced with cleverly molded concrete. On the exterior, fresh patches of beige paint covered spray-painted messages left by gangs. Inside the dens, among the shadows, he could catch the slightest hints of brightly painted graffiti covering the walls, floors, and ceiling. He decided to explore further, and started in its direction, when a young woman emerged and ran towards him at a full clip. Uncle Jim! she yelled as they collided. Then she threw her arms around Keith while kissing his cheek. I thought you'd never get here. He attempted to pull away and looked at her while trying not to breathe. It smelled as if she had not bathed in weeks. She was short with brown eyes and matted brunette hair hanging past her shoulders. She was wearing an oversized flannel shirt, unbuttoned over a black t-shirt with a Hard Rock Cafe logo, loose black jeans, and torn tennis shoes. The oversized clothes did not hide her obviously feminine figure, and Keith noticed that she appeared young. Most likely a teenager, but not older than someone in her early 20s. Despite everything, the feel of her body pressed against his was pleasant. A part of him did not want to let her go. Then his conscience kicked in, and he gently pushed her away. I'm sorry. He waited for her to give her name, but she did not.
1: You have me confused with someone else. I'm not your Uncle Jim.
0: He detached her arms with a wry smile. She lunged towards Keith and wrapped her arms around him again, tighter this time as if her life depended on it, buried her face in his chest, and whispered, "'I know that, but he doesn't.'
1: "'Who doesn't?'
0: Keith turned his head in time to see a bum, resembling a castaway stranded for years on a desert island, emerge from behind a bush. He was tall and lean with a hungry look in his eyes. Wild, tangled hair and an unkempt beard framed his dirty face while torn, heavily stained clothes hung loosely from his thin frame. Noticing Keith, he stopped and glared pure hatred in his direction. She loosed her grip on Keith.' grabbed his hand, and pulled him towards the road.
1: What's going on here?
0: He's after me. Why? She rolled her large brown eyes. Some crazy dude prowling the area
2: discovers a girl alone in the middle of nowhere. Do I need to paint you a picture of what happens if he catches me?
1: No, but I don't want to get dragged into a situation.
0: Real brave, except you're in it now. She dropped his hand and started running as the transient stumbled towards Keith. Keith ran and caught up to her on the road.
1: What's your name? Gina! I'm Keith. I know. How could you? Never mind. Tell me
0: you have a car. Gina sounded scared, and Keith noticed the man was now running at a full clip and getting closer.
1: This way. I hope it's close.
0: Gina said as they rounded a bend in the road.
1: There it is. The blue escort. Near the picnic grounds.
0: They reached the car as the drizzle turned into a downpour. Keith pulled out his keys. He scrambled to find the right one normally an easy task, but difficult with the bum running into the parking lot. He unlocked the door, jumped in, and reaching over, unlocked the passenger side. Gina tumbled into the seat, and they both locked the doors as the man slammed into the side of the car while yelling threats and obscenities. Punch it! Gina screamed, but Keith needed no encouragement. He revved the car's engine as the transient pulled out a knife and lunged towards the front passenger tire. Keith stomped on the gas pedal. The crazy man fell, cursing as he hit the asphalt, and the car shot out of the parking space. A moment later, the car's tires screeched as Keith turned and accelerated towards the exit. Then the knife, which had been thrown by the attacker, hit the back window. A spider web of cracks spread as glass threatened to shatter. A series of loud thumps followed as the knife bounced across the car's trunk and fell to the pavement. Reaching the road, Keith kept the gas pedal floored, and they continued to accelerate.
1: That's going to be expensive!
0: Keith yelled.
1: Seriously! What did you do
0: to him? Nothing. Gina rolled down the window, stuck her head out, and yelled an obscenity at the man.
1: People don't chase someone without a reason.
0: You think he needed a reason? Gina arched an eyebrow and started to roll up the window.
1: It's all right. You can leave the window open.
0: Keith rolled his window down. He thought rain getting into the car and soaking the interior was a small price to pay when the alternative was breathing his passenger's body odor.
1: And I do think he would need a reason to go after you like that.
0: Keith insisted. Fine, but I did nothing. Nothing? Nothing until he tried to grab my boob. Gina shrugged. Really? Keith noticed he could no longer see the transient in his rearview mirror and slowed the car to a more respectable speed.
2: Yeah, for reals. I called him a sis and a bedwetter. Really? Yes, really,
0: Gina rolled her eyes.
2: His aunt told me. She never liked him. That big turd got what he deserved. I laughed at the guy, but he didn't think I was funny. So I kicked him in the nuts and ran. Then I hid until I saw you.
1: What aunt?
0: Never mind. That doesn't matter. You wouldn't believe me anyway. Try me. Gina just stared at him, realizing he was going to get nowhere with questioning her about the mystery aunt. Keith changed the subject.
1: I'll take you home. Which way?
0: Keith asked as they pulled up to an intersection. Go straight, then ride at the next light. Gina relaxed a little. They drove through a part of town with houses surrounded by weeds and with cars on blocks in the front yards. This gave way to an area on the cusp of urban renewal. Sections of refurbished buildings appeared, which turned into blocks where most of the homes had fresh paint and well-maintained yards. Soon they were driving on an old road paralleling a paved creek with an overpass arching overhead. Pull over here. Gina pointed to a spot under the bridge.
1: Is this place safe?
0: Keith maneuvered the car towards the side of the road. Yeah.
1: It doesn't look safe. I know,
2: right? But everyone here keeps their hands to themselves.
0: Keith looked up through the windshield and turned off the car's engine. Large steel I-beams ran under the bridge, spanning the creek and terminating in concrete footings on top of a cement grade. Transients had stacked cardboard and plywood over gaps between the bridge and footings to create makeshift
1: shelters. This is home?
0: Keith asked, as a disheveled man with tangled hair and stained clothes approached the car. Gina waved at the transient. It ain't much, but no one here tries to feel me up.
1: You sure it's safe?
0: Keith could not stop himself from asking the question. The transient waved his arms at them and yelled, Bats! Gina flashed Keith an embarrassed grin.
2: My whole name is Regina Santiago. My friends call me Gina, but the psychos call me Bats.
1: Why?
0: She gave him a mischievous grin.
2: They think I'm crazy like them. Are you? No, not really. Her mood became sullen. Can I ask you a favor?
1: In addition to getting you away from that nut? Sure, go ahead. I'm all ears.
2: This isn't some place I'd normally live, but I've had a run of bad luck. I could use a better place to crash for a couple of days.
0: Gina paused as the expression on Keith's face soured.
2: Until a month ago, there was a place off Sunset. You know the type. They're all over L.A., but mostly not in good areas. Gina continued, with a neon sign out front advertising fortune-telling and $20 palm readings. The woman who owned the business was a total phony, but she could tell I was real. She hired me on the spot, even let me sleep in the back. Her expression turned sad. Then she skipped out on the rent, and the building's owner threw me out. I'm only staying here till I get another job. Then I'll have a place of my own.
1: I'm sure you're nice, Keith ventured. And I wouldn't mind having you around, but there's not a lot of space where I live. Why don't you go home to your parents? Besides, give it another week or two and I'll be living here. I won't be able to afford anything else.
0: Gina rolled her eyes.
2: I ain't asking for a handout. I'll pay you back, just not with money. Keith gave her a look.
0: Not that. Gina appeared horrified for a moment, and then a thoughtful expression crossed her face as she considered something. Do you want to talk with your grandmother?
1: She's dead. Anyways, I never had trouble talking to her while she was alive.
0: I know. Gina replied, clearly thinking he was stating something obvious. It was Keith's turn to pause while he considered that he was sharing a car with a lunatic, and it might be safer to get rid of her as soon as possible.
1: You seem nice. Why don't you take this?
0: Keith pulled out the cash in his wallet, a ten and a twenty, and pressed it into her hands.
1: I'll call a taxi, and you can go someplace where you can get some professional help.
0: Gina slapped his hand away with a sneer. That's okay, Keithy.
2: I don't give no never mind know-how. You never were trusting. Just go play with Mickey. "'You two were always happier playing together "'or getting into trouble than doing something worthwhile. "'Why do I even bother?'
0: She cocked her head to one side and threw her hands up in the air. Keith froze, and the false smile slid from his face. It was how she spoke. Not the sound of her voice. It remained the same. But the cadence, the pauses, the emphasis on certain syllables, they contained tones and mannerisms not heard since the death of his grandmother. He attempted to find a reasonable explanation. The girl sitting next to him could not have known his grandmother or that he had a childhood friend named Mickey. Something was not right. What he witnessed should not have happened. It was not natural, and despite being inside a warm car, Keith felt cold. Gina appeared concerned. Hey, I didn't mean to scare you. She paused a moment, taking time to consider what to say next.
2: It's like this. My great-great, I don't know how many greats, grandmother was Helena Blavatsky. The gift passes down through the women.
0: She finished with a smile. Keith did not say anything. She was a famous spiritualist. Gina glared at him, obviously losing patience. Look it up on Wiki.
1: No, can't be.
0: Keith muttered under his breath, still unable to come to terms with hearing his grandmother speak through her.
2: I can, and it's
0: real. Gina frowned briefly
2: before smiling. Give me a roof over my head for a few days, and I'll put you in touch with your grandma.
1: She's dead.
2: Duh. Huh? Keep the money. You saved me from... you know. Let me help. It might not be much, but I'll make it so you can talk with your grandma. She wants to tell you something.
1: It's hard to imagine her leaving anything unsaid. She always spoke her mind.
0: Keith responded thoughtfully. There must be something. Gina persisted.
1: Can you do that trick with anyone who's passed away? Or only with my grandmother?
0: It's not a trick. Gina said with exaggerated patience.
2: And yeah, I can contact anyone who's departed.
1: Okay, I don't believe I'm doing this, but I'm desperate. I would like to talk with someone. As long as that's all right with you, I'll take you up on your offer.
0: He started the car. Wait, let me get my stuff. Gina snatched the money from his hand. Keith waited as she exited and approached the transient. They exchanged a few words and she gave him the money. Then she climbed towards a large cardboard box and disappeared inside it. Gina emerged a few seconds later with a knapsack and sleeping bag before running towards the car, her footsteps echoing under the bridge. She tossed her belongings in the back seat, and as they sped away, the man looked at the money in his hand and
1: waved. He'll probably use that to buy drugs, Keith noted.
0: Don't worry about it.
2: Consider it your good deed for the day. You look like someone who needs good karma.
1: You're right, but you didn't need to give him my money.
2: So when do you want to talk to your grandma? Gina
0: asked, changing the subject.
1: It's not my grandma that I want to talk to,
0: Keith said as he drove to his apartment. Thank you for listening to The First Butterfly, Episode 10, Chapter 9. This episode was written and produced by Jason Calibre, Featuring the voice talents of Chris Vander and Jay Cal. Cover art for the podcast and e-book, provided by Nancy Aphrodite. Theme music, Sun Still Rises, provided by Wanderbeats. Please visit our website, thefirstbutterfly.com, for a complete list of attributions, links, and other information concerning this patio book. You can help support this podcast by rating and reviewing us on iTunes. As always, we wish you
2: all the best and look forward to sharing our next episode with you. Until then, have a wonderful week.